So um, once again, hi, my name's Chad. Tim, this is Chad. <laughs> Whatever works, man. Whatever we'll take works. either one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're up here right now trying to figure out how we're going to navigate through this this morning because we're going to attempt to do this together. And uh, we don't know how it turned out in the first service. It just happened. And we'll see if we can do it twice. And we've never maybe, done maybe this before. The, yeah, we've never ever done this before. As long as we've before. known each other, we've never shared the stage at the same point and tried to deliver a message. So as Chad said, we've known each other as long as we know each other for a long time. We've known each other since we were children. And maybe you didn't know that. Uh, but we grew up in the same schools, same church, same youth group together. We played football together on the same football team. Um, we played on the same basketball team. That is not Tim. Go back, go just back. so you know. That is not Tim, number one. That is no. not Tim. That's, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. I'm actually the quarterback, so don't <laughs> yeah. forget that, okay? I can barely see you. And we played basketball, and so I asked my parents, they said, do you have a picture of us playing basketball? They sent me a newspaper clipping that looks like we played in the 1940s, okay? <laughs> like we did have color film back then, like what's going on? Okay, and so we it's played black together. and white except for your hair. <laughs> black, white, and bleach blonde. So here's how this is going to go, right? We're going to show you a few pictures, and you're going to probably laugh, and you're going to probably laugh most at me uh, because Chad didn't change. Look at that picture, and look at Chad now. Like, same hairdo, same This is all you get. Like, same deal. I had, like, in high school, like, I had the butt cut, as you can see. Um, I have dark hair. I decided to bleach it blonde, like do all that kind of stuff. And so it was long, it was tucked behind my ears, all that kind of stuff. And so we grew up in church together, in the same youth group together. And so we've got pictures going all the way back to when we were in our youth group, Living Proof. And so during that time, this is probably our 10th grade, he's 9th grade. This is, this is, you know, we look at the picture. You're like, trying to be gangster in like a church shirt. Yeah. Yeah, what now? So we grew up in the same youth group, same youth pastor, traveled, went to the same uh, retreats together, the same missions trips together. Uh, we would travel into detention centers together. We were part of teams that went around, and we would use our gifts and our talents and our abilities to share the gospel with people. And so we grew up inside of the church, inside of the school, all that together in life. As Chad likes to say, we were church rats when we grew up. And... Everything about us was that shirt right there. I mean, when I think about my high school, when I think about some of the best memories of my life, it involved that, that shirt. Not just that shirt, but what that shirt represented. And we were called Living Proof. And Pastor Brian Bloy, he'll be here next week, um, our youth pastor growing up, that was, that was him. And he, that was his challenge to us. And that's, that's literally the best of my life happened uh, in that t-shirt, doing life together, being Living Proof of who God has called us to be, until one day Tim decides to graduate. Tim, so some of you don't know this, so I'm, Tim and I aren't the same age. He's actually one year older than I am, all right? So he's a year older than me. He has a little brother named Tad who's a year younger than me. So I was sandwiched in between the Grand Staff boys, all right? So I got to watch Tim do things before I did them, some good, some bad, but I got to watch Tim do things before. All so, good. All, all, all good. good, no bad. Yeah, your mother must be listening. So, um, so all these things that Tim did... And then he, gra he graduated high school. I still had a senior year. He went to Liberty. I was going to go to Liberty. And then after Liberty, uh, freshman year, he got to go to Orlando. Yeah, and so growing up, we were just built on this foundation 
of, of church and life and what we would call ministry, meaning I'm going to take the things God is teaching me and I'm going to live them out and I'm going to minister to the needs of other people. And so we took this into college. And so we didn't just want to attend college. We wanted to turn around and we wanted to be involved in the youth group helping students like other leaders had helped us growing up. And so we would do things together and we got the opportunity in our home church to lead and talk about the life that God was doing with us. And this is how it kind of looked. Well, the I, room, Slim Shady, please stand up. The original. The original. Before Eminem came, there was Tim Grant's staff, okay? Uh, and that was before we became the Backstreet Boys, all right? So there's a progression of life that was happening for us. But we were involved and engaged at the earliest of ages and then taking that into our own lives by our own choice to continue to allow God to use us in life. And so as Chad said... My freshman year of school, we talk a lot more in detail about this in our growth track, our membership class, but I did an internship here at First Baptist Orlando, and I fell in love with the city of Orlando. And so I came back home to Chad, and, and Chad and I, we, we had this great relationship growing up together. We lived in each other's houses, all that kind of stuff. Um, I said, hey, fall break, Christmas break, spring break, guess where we're going? We're going to Orlando. I want you to come see it. I want you to come experience it. And so we would jump in his Jeep. And we would come down, and we would experience Orlando. And when we got here, we thought there was a look you had to have in Orlando. We and, were wrong. Okay? And so this is we what we wrong, thought that it was supposed to look like. Ladies and gentlemen, we were wrong. I couldn't be like them, though. I had to go black white beater. That's all I'm saying. I had to go black tank top. That's because all the with sin belts. in your life. You with belts, y'all. With belts. You hadn't been washed by Jesus yet. Oh, so my that, word. That, so the guy in the picture, many of you don't know him, but he's the one I lived with during my internship. So we would come back to his house, and I would explore all of Orlando with Chad. And we just began to kind of have this infinity for this place and fell in love with this place. And we would continue to come back. And so I tell Chad often he owes me everything in his life because um, on one of those trips, we, we here's how this would work, okay? We, we went to a Christian university that had a dress code. And so we didn't always abide by those rules. My son better not be listening right now. And so uh, we would roll into class, shorts, not wife beaters because we wife knew that beaters. was way too far, um, t-shirts. And, 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 and our professor, he'd look at us and he'd go, you boys are going to Florida, aren't you? Yes, sir, we are. And he'd say, well, then you better take that exam and get out of here before I have to write you up. And so we'd take it as fast as we could. We'd jump in Chad's Jeep. We'd come drive all day Friday, get on a Friday night, hang out Saturday, hang out Sunday with everybody from church. And then we would drive through the night, Sunday night, to get back for classes on Monday. And so this one time we came down on a big uh, event, big group date. And Chad said, I need someone because he was lonely. Was and, and solo at the time. And didn't have anybody. I was flying solo. And as an older brother, I was looking out for him. Yeah, so and, we came to Florida numerous times, but the first time that we ever came to Florida together um, was a life-changing trip for me. And uh, we had the opportunity to do a lot of fun stuff. We've got a picture. I think this is a picture of the earliest picture Tim and I ever went to Disney together. And so that is on that trip. Where we bought we, Mickey ears together yeah, and Mickey engraved our names together, on them together. Yeah, my name on the back of his. Totally. And so, um, so we, this is like, it's so funny to me because I see this picture and I think, man, this is the beginning of something that we could have never guessed all the years, years later, we would be standing here at this church, on the staff together, leading people together. We would have never known when we were standing literally at that statue at Disney World what God was going to do. But that trip that I came down, um, Tim convinced me to go to church on a Sunday. Um, and I don't like vacation church. I just, I'm not into it. And so... Um, <laughs> 
So Tim said, we got to go because there's this girl. And I said, if you take me to church, you better introduce me to a girl. Long story short, I've been married to that girl 19 years that he introduced me to. And um, it's been amazing. It's been crazy. Listen, there's some single men in this place right now. <laughs> yeah. This is the place you need to be, okay? Because hey, there's some so single you know, ladies in this place. 45 seconds of meet and greet time can change your life. <laughs> no, I, te I tell them, you're in college, the best place for you to be is serving in the little kids' yeah, area. Because it's, it. it's like gravy. You just let yeah. another lady see you oh, handling on your children. Oh, he'd stuff. be a great husband. Yeah, yeah that's what So, but it's been unreal. I can just say it's been unreal. One of the cool things that we got to do um, is we got to be in each other's weddings, which was really an amazing opportunity for me. Tim got married right before we did. And I just want you to know, this is my wedding picture. And I want you to take a very close look at this picture. This is my wedding picture. <laughs> this is my wedding. That is my wife. So this is kind of just a little bit of our personality. So back then, you know, we liked to mess around, and we still kind of like to have fun. So in the middle of wedding photography pictures, the lady's doing something, and we say, hey, let's, let's just switch places. <laughs> and so I'm best man. He's groom. Uh, we took like half of our wedding photos like that. Uh, this is before digital photography, so they just were snapping. The photographer did it. not even notice to correct us. And finally, Michelle was like, seriously, switch back, okay? We have to buy a couple of these. So um, anyway, that, that's kind of fun. But we've got to walk through so many fun life experiences. Um, Tim was the first one of my friends that ever had a child. And, um, and well, he did, and Tandy did. But, um, but it kind of looks like him, so just let's be honest. Uh, yeah, that's Kobe, the big-headed monster, Kobe. That is on his first birthday. His head is bigger than mine on his first birthday. <laughs> But I got to walk through life, and, and I'll never forget the day Kobe was born, and I'll never forget just watching Tim be a dad. I got to watch him do all this stuff first, and then when Caden came around, and uh, we got to see Caden, and she used to be so cute. Um, <laughs> she's gorgeous now, sweetheart. You, you were cute then, but how amazing it was just to see him, and then t uh, Michelle and I, we waited a long time to have kids because we watched Tim and Tandy, and we're like, whoa. <laughs> Slow up. <laughs> so, um, so we waited like 15 years, but when my little boy was born, um, we were kind of going through the whole issue, my wife and I, and I'm a, not to get into it, but I'm a north end zone guy when it comes to giving birth, not a south end zone guy. And so uh, I needed somebody for the south end zone because I was going to be hanging out in the north end zone. And uh, she said, there's only one person, not my mom, not your mom, there's only one person I want in that room with me. And it was... Uh, it wasn't Tim, it was Tandy. So, uh, I'm not coming in that room. <laughs> so he was a hallway guy. Um, but I'll never forget, Michelle woke me up, and she said, I, I, I'm going into labor. And I said, oh, man, okay, call Tandy. <laughs> and uh, Tandy was the first one to meet us here, and it was just an amazing thing. But it's so cool to see what God has done and how God has birthed what you see now did not happen when my, my wife and I came here 18 months ago. It's something that happened years and years ago because of the foundation that we decided that we were going to live and build our lives upon. So we, we have lots of stories, and we don't even have time to share them this morning. You know, but as we were just singing that song, Waymaker, even when I don't see it, you're working. You know, our story is just that. You know, there are things we didn't see God doing in our friendship, in our life together growing up. That just now we're catching glimpses of going, wow, God, you put that together, or you made that happen, or you worked that out. And so one of the stories we always talk about on our trips to Orlando, because those were highlights for us, 
um, we, were, we were in Myrtle Beach with the, the youth group that we were part of serving in. And so we figured, hey, we're halfway to Florida. When the trip's over, everybody can go back. We're going down to Florida. And if you lived in Florida, grew up, you'll remember in the, in the late 90s or whatever, um, all the fire, the brush fires that were happening. And they would even shut down I-95. And so we left Myrtle Beach late that night, and, and we got into North Florida somewhere around 1, 32 o'clock in the morning, and I had fallen asleep in Chad's Jeep, and all of a sudden he wakes me up, and he says, you got to drive. And when I wake up, I look around me, and it's just smoke as thick and as dense as you can possibly think and imagine all around us. Can't see anything. All we can do is hear, like, the, 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 the brakes of 18-wheelers in front of us and stuff like that. And Chad had, has contacts, and so he said, it's burning my contacts. I literally can't drive. And so I had to get in the driver's seat and finish the drive out, and I couldn't see literally 15 feet in front of me. And so I had to look over, and I had to read the reflectors on the side of I-95 as we just inched down it. And I had to use those guides in my life at that moment to get us safely into Orlando that night. And as Chad and I were talking about just that picture and that story, it's kind of been a metaphor for uh, us just spiritually and really for what we want to share with you this morning because here's the deal. We could tell you a whole bunch of stories and probably some my mom's never heard watching online before and some I never want my kids to hear right now until they get married and older. And you could laugh and be like, oh, they're, they're, they're just a good group of guys. And if we did that, we would have failed this morning. If you don't walk out of here and you don't talk about Jesus, we haven't accomplished our goal. And so I invite you for a moment to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, some of you are familiar with this passage. Maybe some of you have just never heard it before. Uh, we don't know if this is your first time in church, you haven't been a long time, or just first time you've kind of opened God's word in a while. But Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon ever given. It's three chapters long, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And then he ends up that sermon, he says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And then he says this, and great was the fall of it. He's given this sermon and we like to say the Bible's written by real people in real places at a real time. Because sometimes we look into scripture and we don't understand everything it's trying to share with us and display to us. Jesus is talking about two different types of people, just like there's two different types of people here today. Either people who are here to receive the wisdom of God in their life and build their, their home on a solid foundation, or people who are going to hear something this morning, walk out, continue to live the same life they're living in foolish ways, and great will be the fall of it. And so we say real people, real places, real time, because it puts the Bible in context. Uh, if you've ever, ever, and maybe many of you haven't, I did in 2005, got to visit Israel or have visited Israel. You would know that outside of the city of Jerusalem, most of, of Israel is known as the stone desert, okay? It is just stone rocks. It's dry. It's hot. It's just, you can see it. It's vast. It's everywhere. And for the people of the Bible, as Jesus was talking to them, they had to navigate through this. They had to, to travel through this, through the rocks and the canyons and the valleys and the riverbeds. But they just knew, hey, most of where we are is full of rocks. 
It's hard. It's dry ground. The only place where sand existed was down in the riverbeds where water had come through. And so Jesus is letting them know, listen, there's two types of people. There's some of you that are starting to see this picture of where do I want to build my house? And here's what you need to understand first this morning. Not until maybe a, a few uh, centuries later did, did, did they really speak in the terms of family. Whenever they talked in the Bible about house, that's what they meant by family. So Jesus is really not just saying, hey, structurally, how did you build your house? How does it look, uh, you know, when it's all built up with its walls and its roof? He's speaking directly to people. How's your family? How's your marriage? How are your kids? I know as a husband and as a father, I know for men, we don't want to admit this because we like to be macho and we like to, to wear our chains and our light beaters and make everybody think that we're hardcore. But guess what we're afraid of? We're afraid of failure. We're afraid that we will fail our family and we won't provide for them. We're afraid that we'll fail our wives and we won't nurture and care for them. We're afraid that we'll fail our children and we won't raise them upright. And so the question for us today is, how are you building the house, the family that God has given you? It's funny because when I read that Matthew chapter 7, you know, you see the, the rock, you see the sand. Tim just talked to you about the deserts and what that looked like. But when I really watch that and when I read those passages, when I was looking at that, the thing that caught me was the, the wisdom and the, versus the knowledge, the wise builder versus the foolish builder. And what does that look like? And what is wisdom and what is knowledge? And what is, what is a wise builder do and a foolish builder? Okay, you build a house on a rock and sand. Okay, I get it. But truly, when I begin to kind of like unpack this, I begin to think, okay, what's, what's the difference between knowledge and what's the difference between wisdom? And what I did was I started to look and I saw that knowledge is possessing a mental understanding of certain information. When you gain knowledge, you gain information. And so I don't want to be somebody that just gains a bunch of information that I actually don't do anything with. Anybody know anybody like that? It's like the smartest person you ever met in your life and they're just dumb as a rock. You know what I mean? You're like, what? how are you? Because what they've done is they've, they've positioned themselves to know a bunch of things, but I don't want to just be knowledgeable. I don't want to seek knowledge. I want to seek wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is the practical ability to use your knowledge to make good decisions consistently through your life. Now, doesn't that, that sound a lot better? That's what I want to be, is I want to be a man not just full of knowledge. I want to be a man full of wisdom. Wisdom, practical ability to take the things that I've learned the things that I've seen, to be able to take those things and then practically, consistently live those out every day. I feel like the problem that so many people have is that they're too busy trying to get all this knowledge, but they're not living it out. It's the Bible when he talks about it in Matthew, it says the hearing and the doing, not just the hearing. And so when I think about the, the wise builder versus the foolish builder, what differentiates the builder? Well, the wisdom and the fools, that what differentiates is when you talk about foolish people, foolish people hear the truth, but they choose to ignore it. You know how many counseling sessions I've sat in where I've talked to somebody and they've poured their heart out to me and I open up the Bible and I show them biblically what they should do and the steps that they should take? And then we pray and we go our separate ways. And then a couple weeks later, I look and I see what they're doing and I'm thinking, did you not hear me? Like, what do you do? Well, that's just different. You just don't understand my circumstance. I'm like, listen, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible, what does it teach us? What does it show us? 
And so many people, they just they hear it and then just, just ignore it. And so what is wisdom? What is a wise builder? It's hearing the truth and choosing to obey it. Amen. Choosing to obey it. Too many people know the truth, but yet they feel like, you know what, not now or later. And what you're doing is you're just being a foolish builder. So many people are building their homes, building their families, building their lives on a, on a place and in a place and in an area that literally it's just going to be devastated. And you begin to ask yourself, well, why? Why me? Why me? Because you're being a fool. You know what to do and you're not doing it. I've learned to build my life on the firm foundation of the fundamentals. It's not rocket science. It's the fundamentals. You can look at Tim and I and think, well, y'all are different. You went to a Christian school. You went to a Christian university. You had Christian parents. You got Listen, it's not about that. It's about me building my home, my life on the fundamentals of what God wants for me and how God wants to use me. When we were taking that trip down to Orlando, those, those just little reflectors that you pretty much could care less about, every time you ever travel that road, they were implanted into that foundation for a purpose and a reason. And we could ignore it that night, and we could end up in the backside of an 18-wheeler trying to get down there still as fast as we wanted because every moment that, that we were all stuck in that traffic, in that smoke, was one less minute we'd get in Orlando, or we could be wise enough to read the reflectors and let it guide us safely to the destination that we wanted to get to. And what we find in life and what we've dealt with is there are a lot of people trying to rush towards some destination God doesn't even want them to be in. And they're rejecting all the wisdom God is trying to give them and all the wisdom God is bringing around them. And so for us, yes, we grew up with great godly parents who instilled in us a biblical foundation. We literally lived together. Chad in his house had two beds in his house for us. I had a set of bunk beds. I would go over to Granny and Pops. She would make me a salad. She'd cut it up all nice for me. And then we would, we would sit and we would talk. And you know what? I knew in my house I was going to hear the truth about God. And I knew in Chad's house I was going to hear the truth about God. But that foundation wasn't going to change for us. And we needed that in our lives because you know what? Life was still really difficult. Life was really hard for us. We, we both had, and Chad, you know, referenced this in the first service, maybe you've heard his testimony and how his, his dad walked out of them and he lost his mom at a young age. I've been through some very weird, horrific tragedies in my family where my, my grandfather's a pastor and you just can't explain it. And if it wasn't for that firm foundation, it would have swept us off. And so Jesus says, listen, want to be wise? Let me tell you something. Storms... The floods are coming. Now, real people, real place, real time. They already are realizing, hey, I'm thinking about the, the stone desert. I'm thinking about the sand valleys and how some people, instead of setting their house on a rock, are going to set it right in the stone valley. Why is that important for me to think about? Well, during the rainy season, if you were a shepherd and you had your flocks and you were out in this desert and you were roaming around trying to, to get them to graze and find places of shelter... They would know that during the rainy season, because this stone, stone desert is so difficult, so hard, when the rains come, they cannot penetrate the ground. And because they cannot penetrate the ground, they all just kind of run off the ground and they funnel right into the canyons. And so shepherds would take a horn with them and they would walk up on the mountaintops 
And as the rains came and, and the floods came, they would sound the alarm that the rains have started maybe a mile off. But in a moment's time, all that rain that was hitting the mountains and, 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 and the rocks, it would funnel into the valley. And before you know it, you're looking behind you and you're seeing this flood just come running at you. Most people don't know this, but more people in Israel died of floods than any other thing. Because once they came, they came so fast, they couldn't get out of the valleys, they couldn't get out of the riverbeds, and they couldn't get up to dry ground enough, and it would sweep them out. And Jesus is telling us, he's saying, listen, there's some wise things you've got to hold on to build the foundation of your life on. But life is going to come, and it's going to come hard, and it's going to come swift, and it's going to come rushing through the valley. And if you're down in that valley, and you're not on solid ground, it's going to knock you off, and it's going to spiritually knock you down, and it's going to wipe you out. And you don't know how many people that we meet, we have a conversation with, and we begin to realize they know God, they don't know. They know of God, they don't know God. And they know a little bit of God's word, but they don't know God's word. And you know the first, first warning sign of that? The moment something difficult happens and that flood comes, their faith is exposed. And they're either standing on it strong or they're shifting and they're shaking and it's crumbling and they're running. It's crazy because when I see that passage, it's not that, that sand is wrong. And so you can't build a foundation, actually, without sand. So what God is teaching us, what Jesus is teaching, is it's the location which you choose to build. Some of you are choosing to build your life on things that are ever-changing. Circumstances that are ever-changing in a valley that is ever-changing. It's not if it was going to look like that. It was when. The people didn't think, well, it won't happen to me. No, they knew. That's what, make them, that's what made them fools is because you know that as soon as the rain starts, that's what it is. So you look at your life and you begin to ask yourself the question, where are you choosing to build your life? I know we say families all the time and we think couples and families with kids and all that, but single person in this room, college student, where are you choosing right now? Student, high school, middle school, where are you choosing right now to delay your foundation? Are you laying it in the middle of a riverbed or are you laying it on the rock, the cliff, where not only can you have a firm foundation, but you can see when things bad are getting ready to happen. Yeah. And so for me, what I really desire is I want people to understand the foundation that is laid. It's not just important where it is, but what it is and how we all have the opportunity to do something that will last when the storms come. Couple, uh, about a year ago, I was in the gym, and uh, the gym that I work out at has a bunch of TVs. I was watching a sports center, and um, in the middle of the, the sports center, I began to see to the left that they continued to show this picture of this house, and Hurricane Michael had just reaped havoc on the panhandle. And on both of the TVs that show the news, this home was there, and I saw this picture. And at first, as I'm running, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, man, that's kind of a nice house, man. That's that's pretty awesome. And then I, I see it, and I'm like, wow, that's wonder where that is. Oh, that's, man, they're saying it's right where the hurricane hit. I'm thinking, man, that must be before the hurricane hit. They're going to show me an after picture, right? So then they show me another picture. Wow, okay, no, looks like the hurricane has already hit, and that picture is still there. And then the third picture is the picture that got me, and it's that picture. If you Google right now, hurricane house, 
from Hurricane Michael, that is the picture that will, will pop up. And when I look at that picture, it shows so much to me. It is literally footsteps from the shore. Right in front of that is the shore, the ocean. The hurricane literally, that is ground zero, went through and annihilated everything around it except for this one house. And so what I did was I began to research and look about this house. And what's so different about this house than the houses around it is where this house was built, yes, but how this house was built. Because he knew that eventually a storm was going to come. Not if we live in Florida, y'all, it's going to happen. So he said, when it comes, I'm going to be prepared. And so what this gentleman did was this gentleman constructed his house from the foundation up better than any house around them because his standards were different than the standards from the houses around him. Not because that's what the government said, but that's because what he said. And so instead of making a house that could withstand 120 mile an hour winds, he decided he was going to build a home that would withstand 240 to 250 mile an hour winds. And so here this house meets Florida code times two, meaning when he put the foundation, when he laid those pillars, instead of going down 20 feet, he said, if everybody else is going 20, I'm going to go 40. If everybody else does rebarb 10 feet up, I'm going to go 20. You can look at that house and you think, man, that's a magnificent house. But if that was my house, I would have probably put more windows on the front so that I could see the beach from every room. So all of his neighbors started saying, why are you doing it like that? Put more windows. Look at your view. Your view's obstructed. He said, I could put more windows, but if I do, it'll take the standard down. If you look at his top porch there, there's no shade on that. Because the overhang is half what his neighbors were because he knew that if he did it the way his neighbors did it, when the storms come, his house would look like his neighbors to his left. What this gentleman said was, he said, yes, it costs me more. He believes that it costs him about 35% more to build that home than the exact same home right next to it. But what he told the people that were interviewing him is he said this, that is a small price to pay for when the storm comes. Because his neighbor on the left, it's 100%. And so what I was reminded by this picture is the importance of doing things Better, stronger, different than our people around us. Oh, but, the, but, but all we need to do is this. All we need to do is this. Yes, but when the storm comes, are you, are you, are you, are you built to withstand it? I want to build my life in a way that doesn't look like my neighbors. I want to build my life in a way that will withstand the storm. Because I know it's happening. I know it's going to come. What a great reminder of this gentleman. And what's crazy to me is, is he said that every step along the way, the entire time he was building this house, his neighbors ridiculed him and mocked him. Every step along the way. He said, I took everything that they threw at me and I just added it to the foundation of my house. That is a foundation that's built to last. What we understand is this, is that the true problem is a spiritual problem. And that spiritual problem is that we foolishly reject biblical wisdom. We can come in here every single week and we can open God's word and we can share things with you. And we can say, we pray that you leave here different than when you walked in. But there are many of you still living the same cycle the same way. 
And so we want to help you advance the storm. But to advance the storm, you've got to assess your foundation that you're standing on. You gotta ask yourself, what kind of foundation have I built? And so for us, like, yeah, we, we keep kind of fumbling. And I told Chad, I said, this is where we sit. Like, people look at you and go, Christian school, parents, Christian school, university, you guys are pastors. Like, yeah, you get it. No, it was a choice. We decided at a young age, we believed in who Jesus was. And we believed everything coming out of God's word was true for us, not because mom and dad told us so. And so we could have easily gone off in a different direction. We could have easily chosen a different path. I remember one of my other close friends who was a year ahead of me. He got into college and he said, hey, I want you to come hang out and meet some of my friends. And so I went with him as a senior in college and he took me to a college frat house. We walked up on the lawn of that college frat house. Everybody was drunk. Girls were taking hot dog buns, stuffing them in their mouths while they were vomiting. And I looked and I said, why would I ever want to be a part of this? Why would I want to put my life in this type of situation? I knew with Chad, I had a friend who believed in the same things. And so we could hold each other accountable. And so we grew up, and yes, we were both virgins with our wives when we got married. We did not go to parties. We did not drink. We did not do drugs. That is not here to say, watch us, look at us. You know what it's here to say? Students, please hear me. You can do this. You can do this in a world that tells you you can't. We were taught by our pastor to be living proof that you can. And so we've strived for that our whole life. And so when you open up this passage of scripture and you see how it's unfolding, as the rivers would come through and they would, the storms would come through and they would wash out, it would leave behind pools of water. And because these little still pools of water would be there, as the shepherd has it, had his sheep, immediately the sheep would want to go down and they would want to drink from the water because they're in this hot, dry desert. But the sheep, sheep aren't really smart. Sometimes sheep do dumb things, right? And so the sheep would make their way down, and what they wouldn't realize is that the water and the floods that came through, they would make the river basin muddy. And before they knew it, as they were making their way down to drink, the sheep would get stuck in the mud. And so the shepherd would have to go down into this mud, and he would have to step down into it, and he would have to rescue and save and pick up that sheep out of the mud. Some of you know where we're going if you grew up in church, and set it on different ground. And so in Psalm chapter 40, David's talking about who God is. And he says, let me tell you about the goodness of this God. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction. He brought me out of the miry clay. You know what miry clay was? The mud that the rivers formed when they washed through, when he gets stuck in it. And he set my feet upon solid ground. That's the beauty of God's story. He wants to take you when you feel stuck in your muck and set you on a new foundation. But to do that, you've got to assess it, and you've got to look at it, you've got to ask yourself some really serious questions about it. The problem that we get into so many times is you don't realize that the things that you've done have, have, have allowed you to do what you're doing now. And so some of you in this room, you've built a weak foundation, 
you put your foundation where it should not be. And so instead of just getting rid of your foundation, what you do is you continue to build walls upon that foundation. And then when the storms come, every year something happens, and you're like, I'm right back in the same. God doesn't love me. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care about me. And it's like at the end of the day, you're thinking, no, you've never moved your foundation. You're still doing the same thing over and over again. You're building this, these walls, and you're building this life at a place that, that's not going to work. And, and some of you, you're allowing the past of your, your decisions and the past of your life, and I say this a lot, but you've allowed your past to become your prison. And you're saying, My, I can't, you just don't understand. If I would have grown up like you guys, it would have been different. If I, and you've allowed your past to become a prison instead of your past becoming your platform. And saying, I was like that sheep stuck in miry clay. But someone came along and they gave me the truth. And I didn't just hear the truth, I obeyed the truth. And some of you, if you're honest with yourself, you say, you know what, before you need to work on elevating any more of your life, before you need to elevate anything else, first you need to excavate. And you need to get in and you need to dig up the foundation. You need to dig up the past. You need to get rid of it. And you need to pack up and you need to move your foundation to a place that will not fail you. But if you continue to do what you've been doing, you're going to continue to get what you've been getting. It's the basic fundamentals. The basic fundamentals. We always say the Bible. It's like the Bible. I said it once before. I don't know if you remember, but it said basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions. That's what the Bible always meant to me. The basic instructions before leaving earth. What am I supposed to do? Okay, now I know it. Now let me actually do it. But some of you, you need to excavate your life. Excavate it out. Get it out. Do some serious cleanup before you elevate any farther. When we talk about excavating, we talk about in wisdom, biblical wisdom and discernment, assess everything. Your circle of influence, your friends, the people you hang out with, the places you go, even as an adult, with those couples, because you just got to have someone to be with. You know, if you were here last week and you saw the Genesis story by the Hongs, and at the very end, I think the most powerful thing Maya said, she goes, we lost some friends and we're okay with that. We're okay with that. Some of you are in the wrong dating relationship. It doesn't honor God. It doesn't please God. Some of you in your marriage think the grass is greener on the other side. It's only greener. Where there's a septic tank. That's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. Sheep happens. Right? I don't even know where to go right now. No. But sheep on the other side. I was raised, it's always greener where it's fertilized the most, where you take care of it, okay? And I was taught to take care of God's word in my own life. Amen. I'm responsible for me, okay? For me first, my spiritual walk with God. And I took that as serious as I could be, and so did Chad. And that's what began our lifelong friendship. And so in 2009, I picked up the phone and I said, hey, remember that movie theater that we went to about a year and a half ago? which is over here in Waterford Lakes Town Center. He said, yeah. I said, what's the zip code of that place? He said, why? I said, well, I think God's telling me to come to Orlando to start a church. Chad said, why don't you join our team? I said, I can't do that. It's nothing against you. It just has to do with everything with what God is doing in me. Because we were taught with wisdom, it's God's story before our story. And so we came down here. And we begin to, to go around Orlando with Chad and Michelle and see all of the places and the spaces together with our kids of this beautiful city and things that I hadn't seen before. 
And, 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 and there, was this, there was never tension. There was never a struggle like, hey, you come. As a matter of fact, we lived with them for a year. Me and my two kids, my two dogs, like the whole nine yards. Didn't even have our own place. We started this church out of Chad Michelle's house. And so people go like, why? Why, why now? Why, why did God do this? Because it's his story before my story. That's wisdom. Foolishness would be to force Force your story, your timing, before God's timing. I'll never forget, people would ask me, because I'd been, Michelle and I had been in Orlando. Um, we've been here 15 years total. And people would ask me, your best friend moves to your town and starts a church on the other side of town, and he didn't ask you to help him. And I, they, I didn't know how to respond to that. Um, and, and so I'm thinking, well, we never really talked about it. You mean you never talked about, like, working with each other and doing this together? And I was like, no, I just didn't feel like when he was, when they were living with us, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like, it, it just wasn't God's timing. Like, it just, I was doing great where I was, and everything was great, and I knew what Tim was trying to do. And so my role was to help him. And, and at the time, it was give him a place to live and, and help him that way. And I'll never forget, you know, looking forward to where we are now. Michelle and I came over here September of 2018 on the timeline out in the lobby. That's where we write our name is, is 2018. I would never have thought that, you know what, it's going to take almost 10 years, 8 years, before God put our stories back together. But what I did not want is I did not want it to be Chad's idea or Tim's idea. I wanted it to be God's idea. And honestly, and we say this a lot, but if I would have helped him start Genesis 10 years ago, we probably would not be standing here today. We because wouldn't be we friends. Because we would have been forcing something. You ought to kill him. So we would have been forcing something <laughs> that was not God's timing. And that's where I think a lot of people are in your life, is you're forcing something. You're trying to force it through, and you're not listening and obeying and building the foundation that God has. Don't put a wall up before the foundation is solid. And if I would have come on board with Tim 10 years ago, we would have been building walls without a foundation. Because we learned how to build our, we, we, we were in a home that was building the foundation with our parents. But then it was time for us to build our foundation. And that's where we sit now is God's timing. The unwritten story is the next 10 years. What's that going to look like? But I'm excited to play a part of it. So when it comes to us in this room, you have two choices in life. You can either hear the truth of God's wisdom and apply it and do it, or you can foolishly reject it. And we're talking about the, 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 the wisdom found here. Because guess what we're good at? We find truth where we want it to be, right? We'll go to social media. We'll find someone who's written something or tweeted something that we find our truth silo. And if we can just get two other people to agree with this, then it's true, right? For whatever we're thinking we want to do in life, however we want to live it. And the reason we say we're rethinking life the way God intended is because what he gave us is the true foundation we need in our lives. And when that storm comes and those floodwaters run in, you have to assess the foundation that you're standing on and ask yourself, is this where I want to be? Is this the safest place to be? Is this the best place to be? We say we believe the best life possible is found in Jesus. You know why? Because he's the one that wants to come alongside of you when you're stuck in your muck and set you on solid ground where you don't have to worry about that storm as much as you used to any longer. So we want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. We want you to take God's story. 
and hear it in our individual stories. And maybe just maybe see how it might have an impact on your story. And that's what this is about. Do you live for God's story first or your story? Do you force things in your own timing or are you patient, waiting for God's timing? What type of foundation do you find your house? Men, your marriage, your home, your family. If you're here this morning and you would just say, Pastor Tim, I just, I caught something today I think I've seen or heard or just, I just needed. And I need prayer today as I walk out of here this place, as I try to figure out how that works out and how I apply to my life. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray over you as we close out the service? There's some things today that really hit home to me. And I need to change and assess some things, or I need to look at some things and reevaluate some things. Maybe I just need to plan out and excavate, tear it down, start this thing over. Would you pray for me?